1: Uh, wine, but I find them extremely
0: helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.
1: And go. in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run, home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, so oh, watch it go oh, Chuck oh, Nasty. Left field, take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or go online to MyGreenSolution.com. Use that promo code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire purchase. Hey, I'm your host, Drew Kreisman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, we will be discussing the life and times of the Colorado Rockies current closer, Sir Scott Oberg. And I think this is a great time to be having this conversation because it has been quite the journey for Scott Oberg from where he began his professional career to where he currently sits today. And I think he's a really great reminder of the overarching message that not all improvement comes from getting people from outside of your organization to come in and get better, that the notion that players you have, that you've grown and spent a lot of time developing can also get better and therefore make your team better. Isn't some fantastical notion of, like I've seen a lot of people define thinking of that as hoping, or just players being better and that being some kind of, like, like it's not a very hands-on hard work that has to go into growing and developing baseball players. And I think the story of Scott Oberg helps us understand that a great deal. As we're having this conversation today, he is 29 years old. He will turn 30 during the 2020 season. He stands at 6'2", 203 pounds, and was drafted in the 15th round way back in 2012. Uh, Rockies have had some interesting fifth round picks. Uh, Sam Hilliard, as many of you will know, was also taken in the 15th round. If you make it to the major leagues at all out of the 15th round, You've had a massively successful professional career, at least in terms of overcoming your draft pedigree. And so no matter what you think of Scott Oberg, he is for sure been an extraordinary value as a 15th round draft pick. Uh, every team in baseball passed on this guy many, many, many times over and Immediately coming into the Rockies system that year in 2012, the first year of the existence of the Grand Junction Rockies, he was pretty fantastic. Now, he only picked up 27 innings, but he pitched to a nice 233 ERA out there at what the locals call Coors Light Field. Not an easy place to pitch. Uh, he picked up 13 saves and was striking out over nine, walking only two. Phenomenal. First look at professional baseball for Scott Oberg. In fact, I remember going back the next year. I did see them play in 2012 some, the only guy I was paying attention to at the time. And this was before. This was just totally as a casual fan. I didn't write for a blog, nothing. In 2012, that was my last year of having no idea that that writing about or talking about baseball would be my job one day. And I was just out there to watch it because I like it. And the only guy whose name I knew was David Dahl. And he was mighty impressive. You know, I believe he was Pioneer MVP that year. But I remember getting a uh, commemorative cup, you know, the the specialty, get a giant Pepsi with players on there. And Eddie Butler was the guy who opened my eyes, right? So I knew who Dahl was. Eddie Butler was super dominant. And I knew he then he was the up and coming prospect. And I didn't remember seeing Scott Oberg pitch at all, and I may not have, uh, but he was the other guy on the cup. So somewhere I've got a signature Grand Junction Rockies cup with uh, David Dahl, Eddie Butler, and Scott Oberg on it. So that's an interesting find. Uh, the Rockies were impressed enough with that initial run that they didn't even bother to send him to low A. So, on a personal level, bummer that Scott Oberg never got to. Pitch in Asheville. Uh, It's sort of a historic, not sort of a historic, it is an historic ballpark out there, but still nice to get jumped straight up to high A, which I'm 90% sure in 2013 was still Modesto. Uh, And again, continued to pitch very well. So uh, apparently he didn't need a stop in low A. He picked up 53.1 innings and put out a 186 ERA while striking out almost 10.5 batters per night. Now, the walk rate really spiked. He was walking 4.5, but obviously with that low in ERA, with those huge K numbers, he was in a spot where he was creating traffic and getting out of it with his swing and miss stuff. And I, and I believe that year was when it really started to emerge that his fastball was going to be uh, uh, an, an elite level pitch and that the slider had a ton of movement on it but that's when it became clear they really needed to develop that slider and they had been working on it really hard ever since it wouldn't click for another couple of years but the stuff was good enough that he started absolutely destroying the minor leagues they bumped him up the next year in 2014 to double a they only had him stick around there for about 27 innings because again a 263 era he got the walk stuff under control. He's now walking under two at 198 per nine. Uh, the strikeouts weren't as strong at, at just about seven per nine that year, but still it looked like the Rockies, uh, were, they go, hey, we got a guy on our hands here. And they kind of fast-tracked him uh, a little bit to uh, the big leagues because the next year he only pitched in eight innings for A, was sporting a 113 ERA. Uh, before he was kind of forced up and probably debuted a little bit before uh, they would have loved, but 2015 became, you know, a, a throwaway season for the Rockies. They traded away the face of the franchise and Troy Tulowitzki. It was clear it was going to take some rebuilding, and so they wanted to see what they had. They got Scotty up to the big leagues for, uh, surprisingly enough, a 58.1 inning rookie season uh where he managed to pitch not well but not maybe as poorly as you would expect a young reliever thrown into the fire in a very tough season. He did put up a 5.09 ERA again not good but certainly we've seen worse out of relievers recently. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, but the peripherals weren't great either. So fans who hadn't seen him throughout the minors and only saw this initial 58-inning sample size, saw him walking almost five guys per nine innings and striking out less than seven. That's just not going to do it. In no way, from a statistical standpoint, could you have argued that Scott Oberg looked like he was going to be a productive player after those 58 innings. As such, the Rockies in 2016 Started him out there down in AAA, and he was back to completely and utterly dominating the minor leagues. In fact, there's never been a time in Scott Oberg's career, and I'll say it one more time, remember he was a 15th round draft pick where he hasn't just absolutely owned the minors. So, 2016, he begins in AAA. He pitches 29 innings down there, uh, 29.2, excuse me. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to short him that last point too And again, great numbers. Strikeouts are almost 11 per nine innings. He's at 1092 that season. The walks are still a little bit, you know, you're, you're squinting your eyes at 334. You could live with that if that's what it is at the bigs. But if it goes up any more, especially at Coors Field, you're in trouble there, but a 243 ERA over 29 innings at AAA in 2016. So now you're going, okay, 2015 was rough, but he was making his debut. He's figuring out cores. He's figuring out the majors. He's figuring out home and road, um, you know, send him back down to the minors. He's clearly regained some confidence and some production. Maybe with this experience, you can bring him back up and he'll be better. And I remember this chunk of, of his career uh really really well because um and, and i think and now one thing I, I do sort of mess up the timing on and i'd have to double check this i forgot there was one other time where he had to get shut down because of the blood clot issue which happened again in 2019 and the doctors and oberg have said you know they, they've had the full surgery so that that really shouldn't be an issue anymore but he had this very strange stretch where again the numbers would not suggest he was good, really. He, he pitched 26 innings at the end of that 2016 season. Again, I'm pretty sure before having to be shut down to a 519 ERA. So that's the worst amount of you know, runs that he's given up so far that we've discussed. Throughout any of these seasons at any level, a 519 ERA is the worst you're going to find for Scotty. And I remember them throwing him into a bunch of really difficult situations, some of which he got out of and some of which he did not. Uh, One in particular where he inherited a bases loaded, nobody out situation and struck out the side and didn't allow anybody to score, which was this real eye-popping moment that even though... The numbers were bad and he was giving up some home runs. He's walking 3.81. So again, that's come up a little higher than you'd like. And the strikeouts still aren't getting over seven. So you're not seeing the minor league peripherals translate, though it's closer now. He's he's gotten better in both of these regards at the major league level. You're still not seeing it where he was at in the minors or anywhere close. But in moments, you saw the glimpses. And this reminds me so, so much of Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez that it's painful. In fact, I, I should probably do one where we do both of those guys and we look at each of their numbers the way down because they're very, very similar where they start dominating the minors. Though Estevez actually struggled a bit earlier in his career in the minors, but at some point the, the dominating part happens. It doesn't translate to the big leagues and it starts to a little bit, but you're only seeing it in glimpses. And then 2017 was both uh, a, a very strange year for Scott Oberg, but I think the real beginning of his breakout, despite the fact that he would have to get sent down in 2018. So we'll get into those couple of years here in just a second but I do have to remind everybody about our great friends over at Breckenridge Brewery and the Strawberry Sky which is just one of the tastiest beers that you're going to find. It's absolutely delicious. You can still be drinking it this time of year. It can be seen as a bit of a a summer beer sometimes, but I protest. I say Strawberry Sky goes very nice with a cool winter crisp, but whatever you decide on, as long as you're drinking Breckenridge Brewery, you know you're drinking some damn good beer. All right. In 2017, uh, Scott Oberg started to move up the peripheral ladder and he started to move up uh, the difficulty in role. And as such, I think the Rockies maybe challenged him uh, a bit more than he was fully ready for. Uh, But in 17, there were a lot of moving pieces in the bullpen. If you'll recall, that was the year of uh, Greg Holland, and uh, Adam Atavino was absolutely terrible that season. And they were just kind of searching for dudes. And Scott Oberg was a guy who got forced into the role early, did not do as well with it. And that's you know why the 494 ERA by the end of the season is so still not great. Now, that's the best he's had at the major league level, but barely there. But where you saw the huge improvement, and if you take it in context with him being challenged more and more for tougher situations and tougher matchups and you know more difficult you know maybe having to pitch two innings at a time here and there he pitched in 66 games at the major league level that year but the 850 k per nine and the 370 walks per nine are now starting to match up with the scott oberg We've seen at the minor league level, he's missing bats. The slider was starting to come around and really be a big weapon for him there, but he's just hadn't found it. He's basically striking out eight and a half guys per nine innings on his fastball. He he, he had, And he lost almost all confidence in his other stuff at the major league level because you didn't have to locate the slider, especially great in the minors. It just moved so much guys would miss it. But at the big league level, guys could just lay off of it because he wasn't throwing it for strikes or he wasn't throwing it for good strikes. So your two options are let it go. It's going to fall out of the zone or let it hang there and you're going to hammer it. It's the worst pitch a guy can throw. And so he finished the season really strong in 17 and became you know, pretty reliable for them down the stretch. But they had made their trades and, you know, Pat Neshek really became the guy uh, for that season and ended up giving up a, a triple to Archie Bradley in that game. We won't talk about that too much. But other than that, Pat Neshek was actually really, really good. So he was the one who ended up becoming the bridge successfully to Greg Holland, who for the most part, again, was fantastic until he fell apart down the stretch. But since those guys were both gone the next year. The Rockies did bring in Wade Davis, and everybody knew that he was going to be the closer, but there was a real question about who the setup guy was going to be. And again, remember, Adam Adovino had been terrible. The mere suggestion going into 2018 that Adam Adovino was going to be the team's best reliever was kind of absurd. Like, you would have been laughed at at the time. He had been a guy you could not put on the mound and not get embarrassed in 2017. But as it turned out, everything clicked for Otto. Davis had a really good year and Scott Oberg finally had everything click for him. And that's a big part of why the Rockies ended up winning 91 games. Now, let's get back to the Oberg thing in just a second, but Think about that in terms of where the Rockies are at right now. And if you can, if you, if you were really paying attention at the time, transport yourself back to after that 2017 season, where you were right after the Rockies lost that wild card game in Arizona and how you felt about the bullpen, knowing that Holland was gone, Nischek was gone, and Ottavino was an absolute wreck, right? Where was the back end before they signed Wade Davis even. And, and now think about how comforting signing Wade Davis was and what a huge difference it made in 2018 that he would set the saves record and allow Ottavino, who had been almost a joke the year before, to become the most dominant setup guy in baseball, and the thing that really brought it all together was Scott Over. Now, I mentioned in 2018, he did get sent down very briefly. He had had this terrible issue, if you all recall, earlier in the season with inherited runners. And this is another reminder about, you know, peripherals and what is the job of a reliever. So, in these other years where his ERA had been bad, I particularly mentioned, remember 2016, where at the end of the season he was giving up a lot of runs, but Sometimes when he would inherit somebody else's jam, he would come in and do a phenomenal job. Well, he had gotten the hang of that, but as he started doing better at not allowing his own runners, suddenly in 2018 he had this big issue of every time he came in and there was a guy on second base and two outs, he'd give up the single before he'd strike out the next guy and therefore tie game or the other team takes the lead. And it got really super frustrating for Rockies fans and for the Rockies themselves and for Scott Oberg. He was fighting his slider and then he got hurt and it was a minor injury. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he got sent down to AAA mostly for rehab, but they also left him there to work on his slider. So it is funny to look back and see that Scott Oberg spent 15 innings of the 2018 season in AAA when, you know, he had already accrued about, 150 innings at the big league level. But we still hadn't seen any better than a 494 ERA in any kind of sample size. Well, he comes back. He solidifies the Rockies bullpen. He pitches 58.2 innings at the big league level. So despite, you know, his quick stint down in the minors, it was the most number of innings at the big league level he's ever pitched. And it was By far his best season. He put up a 2.45 ERA. He struck out 8.74 per nine while walking a minuscule 1.84. Now you're looking at peripheral numbers at the major league level that are matching what he was doing in the minors when he was really dominant. A sub-two walk rate and a strikeout rate close to nine. That's what the Rockies needed out of Scott Oberg. That's what they got out of Scott Oberg. He, and I think along with Son Juan O really solidified that bullpen. And um, of course, famously, he would pick up the last four outs in the wild card game against the Chicago Cubs with uh, Bud Black having already burned Wade Davis uh, earlier in the game. And again, Adam Adovino, who is maybe at this point starting to develop a reputation for not being able to get guys out in the postseason. Remember, he gave up the game-tying run to the Cubs in the inning before Davis came in, so, so it would have been the eighth, I believe, on a slider that didn't get far enough away from Javi Baez. Uh, so it wasn't until uh, the 13th that Ober— well, he, he would have come in and got the last out in the 12th. Walters gets the hurt the hurt, the what? I call it the hurt, the hurt on the Cubs, the hit that ended the Cubs dynasty. <laughs> and then uh, Scott Hober goes out there and strikes out the side. In fact, he struck out the last four guys. It was an absolutely dominant nails performance in the biggest game the Colorado Rockies have played since 2009. And uh, I mean, I guess there was the one the year before, but considering they lost that in the fashion they did, this one would obviously be the the big one. And so uh, he then parlayed that into an even more all-around successful 2019 campaign where the Rockies somewhat tragically left him in the setup role for far too long while allowing Wade Davis to kind of spoil away his season before their very eyes. But Oberg again. I mean, he he could have been an All-Star this last year. He had, had he had a sub 2 ERA going into the All-Star break. He finished with his career best, a 2.25 ERA over 56 innings pitched and a career best at the major league level, 9.32 strikeouts per 9. And and those who watched, you just saw the swing and miss when he was on, it, he was getting ugly ugly swings from some of the best hitters in the game. Uh, He was dominant. Now, he did walk more guys this last season, so let's all keep our eyes on this. He walked guys at a rate of 370 per nine. So, yeah, you keep it under four, you're okay. I think, you know, he's got to bring that down a little bit. I can understand why Rockies relievers were maybe being careful this year. Everyone was a little bit gun-shy, and, you know, the baseball was what it was. But in 49 appearances, Uh, Scott Oberg was fantastic again before having to be shut down uh, with the blood clot issue. And by the end of the season had taken over as the Rockies closer. He was only able to get five saves before uh, that was shut down. But it's pretty clear from everything I've heard from the organization that they intend to have him right there. As the closer, you know, as they watch and see whatever it is is going to happen with Wade Davis that comes next. But uh, if you look at it this way, essentially Scott Oberg is on, uh, you know, about a 112 inning stretch here, over again about a hundred games or so of pitching to a, a low two ERA good strikeout to walk numbers. And uh, I'm not real into projection systems, but even those mostly like him because he started to get you know, the swing and miss. Uh, but again, they, they're going to undersell him. They they've, they are expecting, at least Van Graaff's is, a 385 ERA next year. Um, but certainly, that would be better than what the Rockies got out of their closer in 2019. So, We will see with Scott Oberg where it goes. I do want to talk a little bit about my projections for his future. But before I do that, I do, of course, have to remind everybody that uh, the Green Solution is where it is at. They bring you this podcast, but they also bring you the absolute best quality and flour, or CBD, whatever you're out there looking for, make sure you hit up mygreensolution.com, use that promo code DNVR20. So, my read here on Oberg's future is that, uh, and of course, now I, I should mention, of course, that first of all, the objective thing about Oberg's future, he just this offseason signed a 3-year, 13 million dollar extension or really kind of a buyout of what was likely uh, what we're going to be is arbitration years. I think maybe plus 1. I'd have to go back and see exactly where he was at in arbitration. Either way, he's under contract for the next 3 years for 13 million dollars. So, uh, a nice raise for him. If he continues to pitch the way he has the last 2 years, that is an extraordinary steal. For the Colorado Rockies, if he goes through the kind of ups and downs that relievers are prone to, um, then then it's probably just a safe deal for the Rockies. There, there's no one year where that's going to be hurting them too bad. For now, I think they've got to feel pretty good about that. I, I You know, Scott will still have an opportunity to go out there at age 32-ish. Uh, if he wants to try to earn a little bit more money, if he continues to pitch really well over these next couple of years, which is another thing worth remembering, by the way, the number of guys on the Rockies roster who are pitching for their next contract. that <laughs> That's a thing. It's always, if anyone playing for their next contract, um, you're going to get their best. I'll tell you that much. And so it will be interesting to see. Now, Oberg's not in that situation now. He's, he, he's, he's in a good spot. But I do think... You know, he's trying to hold on to that closers gig and he's trying to prove all of the doubters wrong. Of course, there have been doubters over the years. He was a 15th round pick. There are people who ignored him throughout his entire minor league career. He was never, remember, talk about these farm system rankings. And I said, well, the Rockies farm system isn't any good. Well, apparently it wasn't any good when it was producing this guy, who is now one of 30 closers in Major League Baseball and was never considered anywhere close to a top 100 prospect. In fact, he was probably never considered in the Rockies' top 10 prospects just inside their own organization. And now he's one of the linchpins, one of the biggest keys to their potential success or failure, whichever way you think it's going to go. He is the most important reliever in the organization as as we stand here today now other people could emerge and and become that and there are certainly some other key cogs Davis and Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez would be my next if I was power ranking sort of the the most key elements for the Rockies bullpen but it's easy to overlook What Scott Oberg has done, especially because uh, just a year ago, he was sent down to the minors. But it's also easy to forget that he's sort of always been building toward this moment, that he didn't come out of nowhere to become this guy. He's getting to the point now where his production is matching his ability. And because he's missed some time with this non-arm-related stuff, there's also, you know, and and you never want to say it's a good thing he's had. That's absolutely not what you're saying, but there is a reality to that. And I've mentioned this with Jairo Diaz. It is not a good thing that Jairo Diaz has missed the time that he has missed. It is, however, good for the health of their arms, that they haven't had a ton of innings put on them. And so I do think that Oberg for a 29 or 30 year old is going to seem more like he's got the arm of a 27 28 year old. I mean, you know, not not 24. We're not going crazy here, but I do think that, you know, he's he's fresher than your average 30 year old closer. And so it's going to be a Very fascinating story, because if Scott Oberg continues to be this pitcher he has been the last couple of years, it lends that much more credence to the notion that the Rockies shouldn't spend giant money on relievers or free agents kind of in general, that even though it may be painstakingly slow, we're talking about a guy who was drafted in 2012 didn't make his major league debut until 2015, wasn't measurably good in the big leagues until 2018. I mean, that's a long time to wait for a payoff, right? But that's not hoping and praying that somebody just happens to get better. This wasn't an accident. This took a lot of hard work from Scott, and from coaches, and from the guy who was in charge of development during most of his minor league career, Jeff Breidich, by the way, a lot of people had to make this happen. Now, I'm not saying that, therefore, it can happen with everybody else, though I do think there are a ton of parallels for Jairo Diaz, Carlos Estevez, Jesus Tinoco. Um, And by the way, I've talked to Tony Walters and Chad Bettis about this, and they tend to agree. They see Similar career paths for those guys. And do I expect them all to turn into what Scott Oberg is now? No, though I've always thought Carlos Estevez could eventually be a guy who dominates the way we've seen Oberg dominate the last two years. And it, but it's stuff like this is why. And how much are Oberg, Diaz, and Estevez going to be making? Where did they come from? They all came from inside the organization. Now, Diaz was traded for as a minor league player, but he's grown up inside the Rockies minor league organization. While the big money guys, you know, aren't, aren't getting the job done. So, yes, this is a reminder of both things, that you can get a sudden burst of production from someone you've had there all along who's never looked especially great just yet, but is still coming into his prime and figuring it out. And the Rockies have like 10 of those guys on the roster. We don't know who is going to go the positive direction and we don't know who's going to go the negative direction, but this is also a reminder that it can take a really long, painstakingly slow amount of time. talking six years between getting drafted and really starting to produce for your club. And then it happens like that. At the beginning of the season, he was a question mark. At the end of the season, he was striking out the last four Cubs in Wrigley Field to win the National League wildcard game. Scott Oberg is a reminder that we don't always know how much we think we know. If you went back and listened to people in 2016 and 2017 talk about what should or shouldn't be done with Scott Oberg, it'd be really funny now. Who are those players on the roster now? It is important that we think on that and not dismiss. And and this is what I'll close on today because I know this has been the theme and uh, I don't want to disrespect this being about Scott Oberg, Uh, who, by the way, is also just a phenomenal human being uh, who's been extraordinarily gracious with his time. And I love talking to him about baseball. But I do want to sort of pull out here and make the bigger theme because I've seen this so much lately and it frustrates me for this particular reason. It disrespects the hard work that goes into getting better. When people talk about individuals getting better as some kind of joke, they scoff at the notion that 24, 25, 26-year-olds can achieve something they had not yet, and that this is tantamount to standing around with your hands tied behind your back. That it isn't hard work. That there aren't people in there right now rolling up their sleeves, doing the hard work to get better. Do you get credit for not giving up on Scott Oberg? I think you should. From the GMs and coaches down to Scott Oberg, I think you should get credit for not giving up when there were so many chances for you to when so many people could have dismissed it as a hope and a prayer, while every single day you worked your ass off to make it a reality. It's not hope. It's not prayer. It's not, gosh, I hope bad players are good next season. It's the very human. Don't all of us think we can get better every day in what we do in our jobs? I know I do. I know I know. I feel like I can get much better podcasting and writing and been I've doing it for a while, but not that long in the grand scheme of things. So if you want to go down the list and say why you don't think every single one of these players can turn into Scott Oberg, that's an interesting conversation. And then you're on record. So four years from now, we can look back and say, you said Jairo Diaz wasn't going to become Scott Oberg. Well, he either did or he didn't. And you said Estevez wasn't going to become Scott Oberg. And then he did or he didn't. You know, we can have that conversation. But to to have the blanket statement of if anybody does work out, well, then that was just good luck. The Rockies got lucky that Estevez and Diaz got better. Like they're not actively trying to do everything they can right now to take those guys to the next level because it would be an extraordinary boost to their club. So that's why I don't like that talking point because there are a lot of people working really, really hard to get better. And I think it's a fundamental aspect of human achievement that we all desire to take that next step. And so I I just want everybody on record, get specific about it. You don't believe the players are going to get better? Tell me that and tell me the names. That's what I want to hear from the particular crowd of people that says the Rockies... Just hoping or praying that pl- players get better is not a philosophy or that it's not trying, that, that they aren't actively doing something. I disagree. I think trying to get better is one of the most active doing somethings we as human beings can, well, do. I sort of walked into that, didn't I? And, and I don't think success stories like Scott Oberg are random or dumb luck i think it's the natural result of putting in the time and effort so if you don't think ryan mcmahon or rymel or garrett just let's all let's go on record let's see if you don't think those players can get better you don't think there's more in david Dahl, or john gray or herman marquez or kyle freeland just go on record that's all i ask I am on record as supporting local business because that's in my blood. It's in our blood. It's in everybody's blood out here. That's what we're about at DNVR. And so we love our friends over at Denver Rubber Company. They are the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that could cut material used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes all of it, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR, so be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and be sure to tell them who sent you. I should finish this on Scott Oberg and, and not on my, my big philosophical uh, statement, though I do think he's the best embodiment of it. And and I and I want it to be more of a, an inspirational than a uh, combative finish to this. I think because he, he has you know overcome a lot, whether it be on the baseball diamonds, Some of these health issues, uh, you know, blood clot issues can be very very scary. And uh, I think I've told this story before. I think he maybe even told it on the podcast and I'm going to do it again in a big article that I, uh, P- Patrick Lyons and I have been working on this thing for a while. But honestly, I just want to talk to Scott one more time because I think it, 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 in order for the article to be perfect, to be what it can be, I think it needs to come full circle. And I do want to talk to him a bit more about how last season ended, how frustrating I'm sure that was, where he's at health-wise, mentality-wise after having signed uh, this new contract and then presuming that he's going to come into the year as as a closer. But this was a guy who was pitching in independent leagues and random dirtball league baseball Nonsense. He told me a story one time about uh playing at a facility where they only had one bullpen. And so he and all the other relievers from one team just went and sat in the other bullpen with the other team's relievers and sat there, chatted them up, had a good old time, watched the game from both sides, and when their number was called, came in to pitch and do the job. But do the job is, you know, that's been Scott Oberg. That, that's his mantra. Do the job. And it hasn't always been easy. In fact, at times it's been a hell of an uphill battle. But this was a guy driving down dirt roads to towns none of us have ever heard of to sit in the other team's bullpen just so that someone would give him a chance. And his real chance for most of us who watch baseball religiously didn't come until six years after he was drafted. And then he still really struggled. And that moment in Chicago is something no one will ever be able to take away from him. And it's something that should go down along with the Walters hit we should not ever forget even if scott oberg becomes a pumpkin next season which i don't think is going to happen i think he'll be a pretty good closer for the rockies next year but even if he if he never pitched another inning for the rockies if they traded him for some reason again not a, not with that contract they're not not now no way they trade scott oberg now they get a guy who can keep putting up a 245 era for you know, roughly $4 million a year as a closer. Who's not scared? even a little bit. You can drive down the dirt roads in his mind, back to those sandlots. Last four outs at Wrigley Field should never be forgotten as one of the gutsiest most impressive moments in the last decade of Colorado Rockies baseball. And I know it's not a super long list, but that was an amazing moment that we should all remember as often as we can. And that may just help continue to propel Scott Oberg into being one of the best relievers in Rockies history. One of the more reliable closers in Rockies history and a guy they grew who is unequivocally their own. Nobody else wanted him. In fact, you can argue the Rockies didn't even really want him that bad. (laughs) But he's always been here. He's grown up in it. And maybe, just maybe, he's figured it out. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Uh, hopefully you're following us on social media at DMVR underscore Rockies at Drew Creisman, at Patrick D lions doing all the good subscribing hopefully you bought all of your good fantastic dnvr merch for christmas if not you can get some afterwards late presents are always fun too because they're less expected so we've got some pretty great merch new stuff uh, especially if you're also a nuggets fan i mean it's, it's their season right now we'll have new rocky stuff i promise you before too long but in the meantime i can only hope that you continue to be absolutely awesome i can only promise that i will continue to be absolutely Drew Kruisman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.
0: Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD rich hemp oil infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I have the jitters arthritis and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing. And this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having a arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.